0: We want to welcome our Facebook audience this morning. Welcome to First Assembly of God on Independence Day. And I've got some very special word for you guys this morning. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 12 is where I'm going to find my text. I'm going to continue a series of messages this morning that I have entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, I've been in pastoral ministry for over 25 years. And over those years, I have been approached by hundreds of people asking me to help them out with various problems that were going on in their lives. And when we sit down to talk about ministry, to talk about what might be out of whack, one of the first things I always want to talk about is your love relationship with God. If I really want to get down to the center of almost anything that's wrong in your life, we're almost always going to start with describe to me, brother, your love relationship with God. How hot are you on a scale of one to ten in that love relationship with God? And I've had people ask me over the years, what's love got to do with it? What does my love for God have to do with it? And this series of messages is designed to help us understand your love relationship with God is the very center of everything else you do. And if that relationship is not right, nothing else is going to be right. If you get that love relationship with God where it's supposed to be, everything else in life seems to fall into its proper place. Amen? I had dinner with a Muslim doctor several years ago who was trying to convert me to Islam. And he talked and talked about his religion. And I finally said, Doc, do you mind if I share just a little bit about what I believe? He said, go ahead. I said, well, I believe God loves me. And I believe God loves me so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for me. And that God wants me to walk with him in a loving relationship. And the doctor said, stop. He was offended by what I just shared. His concept of God has nothing to do with a God who loves us, has nothing to do with loving God in return. But I want you to read this passage of Scripture, and I want you to notice how Jesus summarizes the entire Old Testament law. Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is the last week of His earthly life before going to the cross. He's being surrounded by religious people who are buzzing around like a hive of bees. And they're asking Him all sorts of trick questions. Trying to snare Him in something that He might say. And in the passage that I'm going to read in chapter 12, starting at about verse 28. One of these, a teacher of the law, came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You were right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Him any more questions. This morning, I'm going to call the message, who do you love? Many people live beneath their potential because they wander through life loving all the wrong stuff. Many people shoot themselves in the foot because they wander through life loving all the wrong people and all the wrong stuff. When my kids were small, we went to the video rental store and we brought home a copy of Gone with the Wind. How many people here have ever seen Gone with the Wind? It's about a three and a half hour movie. It's definitely a grown-up movie. It's not a little kid's show. So my wife and I wondered if the kids were going to enjoy it. But they were small and they sat there for the entire like three and a half hours and they were just mesmerized by the story. The story of Gone with the Wind centers around a woman named Scarlett O'Hara who would mess her life up in so many ways because she was in love with the wrong man for most of the movie. In the beginning, Scarlett declares her love for her next-door neighbor, Ashley Wilkes. Ashley tells her at the beginning, Scarlett, I don't love you like that. I love Melanie, and I'm going to marry Melanie. Well, Scarlett won't take no for an answer. And even though there are numerous young men around who would love her and make her a decent husband, Scarlett said, no, I'm going to pine away for Ashley Wilkes. She marries another young man. She doesn't love him. He's killed in combat. She doesn't really care. She steals her second husband from her sister, marries him, doesn't really love him, doesn't matter. She uses the man for what she can get. She's still in love with Ashley Wilkes. Finally, she marries husband number three, Rhett Butler, a man who truly loves her even though he sees her as she is, as a little spider. But Rhett says, I love you anyway. I know you got a heart that's that's pure darkness, but I love you anyway. Scarlett marries Rhett. She even has a child with Rhett, but she still loves who? She still loves Ashley. And her life is falling apart all around her. At the end of the movie, Ashley's wife dies. He's free to marry Scarlett. Scarlett's husband says, I'm leaving you. You can go and marry the man that you've been pining away for for years. And in the very end, Scarlett realizes, well, I I really don't love Ashley that much. I've been mistaken. I've been chasing after this thing for most of my life, and happiness has been right under my nose. And the problem is, I have spent most of my life loving the wrong thing. Now, how many people can identify with that? How many people can say at least once in my life, I've had my heart Set on something that wasn't necessarily the best thing for me. Maybe you've never taken it as far as Scarlett O'Hara, but how many people can identify with that character because in most of us there lives something that resembles a little bit of Miss Scarlett? We might not love Ashley Wilkes. We might love money. We might love our jobs. We might love our possessions, whatever it is. How many of us can identify with? living beneath our potential because we love the wrong stuff. Now, as a human being, God actually created you different from all the other animals in this one way. God created you to love him. God created you for the purpose of walking in a love relationship With your Creator. And if you go back and read the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve had this perfect face-to-face love relationship with God. Everything was great until Satan himself came into the garden and tempted the humans. And here's what the temptation sounded like. I want you to seek fulfillment in something other than your relationship with God. I want you to put something other than God at the very center of your life. Adam and Eve fell into sin. And since that time up until today, human beings have been trying to find fulfillment in all the wrong stuff. We'll go out and work ourselves ragged to make money, but money doesn't seem to fill the gap. Or we'll go out and chase a relationship with another human being, and it doesn't seem to fill the gap. The Rolling Stones have sang a song for many years, I can't get no satisfaction, and I try, and I try. And that seems to be a song that the human race sings over and over. We're looking for satisfaction everywhere else except the one place where we're going to find it. A love relationship with our Creator. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was asked a point blank question. What's the most important law in the entire Old Testament? And Jesus didn't hesitate to say, love God with every fiber of your being. Number one. Love neighbor as self. And we're going to get to that in the weeks to come. But this morning, I want to focus on number one. Love God with every fiber of your being. If you really do that, you'll keep all the other rules and regulations. If you do that, you'll walk away from sin. If you do that, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God is the core of a victorious life. 2,000 years later, how many people need to hear that message? 2,000 years later, how many people would call themselves Christians, attend church somewhat, live a somewhat moral life. But if they were really honest and they sat down with me in my office and said, Brother John, I've got problems. And the first thing I'm going to dig into is who do you love? Well, I got a problem over here. but What's that? Happen? Who do you love? It's got everything to do with every, every facet of your life. How many church-going Americans, if they were honest, would have to admit, I love someone or something other than God? So the objective of the message here this morning is, number one, to expose you to this idea. It's going to be foreign to some people. But to expose you to the idea that loving God with all your heart is going to make everything else in your life fall into place. Secondly, we're going to dig into your heart just a little bit. We've only got a couple minutes, but I'm going to dig in just a little bit. And what you're probably going to notice before it's over is that you're not really loving God with all your heart. I'm not here to beat you up over that. But before we leave, we're going to have some music. We're going to have some time to pray at the altar. And I want you to leave here this morning able to answer the question, who do you love? I want you to leave here saying, you know what? I love God with everything I've got. You say, well, brother, how does that work? That sounds good. It reads pretty good in the Bible, but walking the streets Monday through Friday, going to work, all that stuff. How does that really play out? What do I have to do to make that happen? Let's answer that by looking into this passage and uncovering several steps that all of us can take to help us love God with every fiber of our being. Step number one. If I'm going to love God with everything I have, step number one, I must understand what it means to love God. I must understand what it means to love God. One of these, an expert in the law, came to Jesus and said of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, expert in the law meant this guy sat around all day and debated scriptures. They memorized scriptures. They parsed out the words in scriptures. And the Jewish religious people had identified five or 600 commands in the Old Testament. And they would sit around all day debating which one is the most important. And Jesus didn't skip a beat. He quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. Now this was a passage that a religious Jew would have recited in his prayer time every single day. He took this guy back to a passage of Scripture that he probably recited every single morning and helped him really understand what he had been saying. So, write this down. This is pretty important. It's possible to know about God and not really love God. This religious man knew about God he knew the scriptures he quoted the scriptures but Jesus is about to say here's one that you quote every morning listen to what you're saying love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength now if you want to do that the first thing that has to take place you really have to come to an understanding of the word love Now, I know you guys are far more spiritual than me, but I'm going to share my struggle with you. For many years, I struggled with the idea of loving God. When I hear the word love, I I think of a feeling. I have feelings for my wife. I have feelings for my kids, for my grandkids. And when you start talking about loving God, I really can't see him. I really can't touch him. Can't give him a hug. How do you love God? God and when I really begin to study the word love in the Bible language the word love in the original language doesn't have anything to do with feelings the English version or the American version of love almost always has something to do with an emotion how I feel but the word here is the word agape in the in the original language and the definition is a choice of my will Choosing to put another person's best interest ahead of my best interest. Now think about that for a minute. When it says love God, it doesn't mean I feel fluttery or, or, or squishy about him. It means I consciously choose. Now I can do that. I choose to put his agenda ahead of my agenda. That is the definition. Of what it means to love God. Now this is Independence Day. I want to share a couple of illustrations that deal with America and independence. My dad was a young man when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in 1941. And I asked him once, Dad, how long were you gone in World War II? He said three years and six months. I said, that's like the whole war. He said, yeah. I said, what were you doing prior to that? He said, well, I was a young man. I was married. I had a job. I was doing what everybody does. I was making a living and trying to establish myself financially. And our country was attacked. And my dad and his entire generation dropped whatever they were doing and said, we're going to have to go off and defend our country. Why do they do that? They love. Y'all ever use that word? I love my Country. But you can't really see and touch your country, right? It's kind of like God. It's more of a concept, right? America, Americans, we are us. We've been attacked. To love your country, doesn't that mean to choose to put your country and its best interest ahead of your own best interest? It's a choice. And that idea really helps me capture the idea of what it means to love God. He doesn't want me to have squishy feelings. I might never have squishy feelings. But in my conscious mind, I can say right now, I choose to put God first. I just finished the Old Testament books of First and Second Kings. They tell the story of the rise and fall of the nation of Israel. They were eventually conquered and carried away into captivity. And God would say again and again, it's because you don't love Me. Again and again, you have chosen to put other things ahead of Me. Idolatry, sensuality, materialism, whatever it was, God was designed to be number one and they just wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Now let me ask you a question. If America were attacked today, if bad guys were pouring across the border from Mexico or Canada or whatever, and Americans were just being mowed down in places like Arizona and Texas, they're they're pouring across the border. How many people here would say, you know what? I would drop whatever I'm doing and I would defend my country. You might be too old to go and fight, but I would do whatever I could. How many people would say as an American... I love my country, and if we were literally under attack, I would put my country's best interest ahead of my own best interest. When it comes to loving God, that is exactly the definition. If you're going to love God with all your heart, you really have to have a Bible definition. Here's why. Because your brain is like my brain. It's going to reset to the American version of love if you're not careful. You need to hear this and you need to write it down. Love is not a feeling. Loving God means I choose to put God first. Can you handle step number two? Amen? That's step number one. But here comes step number two. If I'm going to love God with all my heart, step number two... I must love God with my whole heart. Y'all read this passage with me again. Jesus said the greatest commandment starting in verse 30 is, Love the Lord your God with some of your heart. Is that what your Bible says? Love the Lord your God with most of your heart. What does it say in your Bible? All? Are you kidding me? Like on a scale of one to ten, we're talking about a ten? I got to put God first in my whole heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. How many people here this morning understand? The word wholehearted. How many have ever used the word wholehearted? It means my whole heart. What's the other word or phrase that we use from time to time? Have you ever used the phrase half hearted? Like if your husband does something stupid and, and then he comes back and, and sort of repents, and you say, well, that was sort of half hearted. Your heart wasn't really in that. You were saying the words, but it was half-hearted. And how do wives always know when it's half-hearted? They want a whole-hearted apology. How many married people here this morning would accept a half-hearted commitment from your spouse? You want the whole heart, right? Right? How many football fans here, football season is almost upon us, college football fans, how many of you would accept a half-hearted commitment from your head football coach? No. This is Statesboro, Georgia. For those of you watching around the world, Georgia Southern is our football team. We call it being true blue. you got to be 100% Georgia Southern. And if the head coach were not looking out for the best interest of our football team all the time, Are we going to keep that person around if we begin to suspect that he's serving some other agenda rather than the best interest of our football team? We're not going to keep that guy around. How about this? How about going to a doctor? And you begin to suspect that the doctor isn't necessarily looking out for your best interest. He might be recommending a surgery that you don't need because he's got to make a, a payment on his Italian sports car and you look like thirty-five dollars or $40,000 worth of, of fee to him and he's really pushing this thing and you begin to suspect, this guy, he, he doesn't have my best interest at heart. He's looking out for somebody else. He, he's looking out for himself. Are you going to continue to see that doctor? I'm not. We demand a wholehearted commitment out of our spouses, out of our football coaches, out of our doctors, how many of us will turn around and expect God to accept something less than a wholehearted commitment from us? Jesus says, number one, if you want to keep all the other laws, love God with your whole heart. Anything less than a wholehearted commitment is not going to work. I just finished a book by Francis Chan, who was a pastor, author, well-known Christian speaker. And Francis Chan said that when he was a young man, he wanted to join the Marine Corps. They had a really cool TV commercial. The few, the proud, the Marines. And lots of young men would respond, I want to be one of the few, the proud, the Marines. Francis Chan said, "I, I started to do a little research into what it, what it took to get into the Marine Corps and he started really reading up on boot camp going to Paris Island for boot camp and he found out that in order to be a Marine you had to run a lot and Francis said I I don't like running and then he found out you have to do a lot of push-ups if you want to be a U.S. Marine and Francis said I I really don't like doing push-ups either and he said can you imagine me Coming to the Marine Corps and saying, hey, I want to be a Marine, but I don't want to run, and I don't want to do push-ups. Can you imagine a Marine drill instructor coming into the barracks at like 4.30 in the morning, waking everybody up and saying, we're going on a five-mile run, but Francis, you stay in bed, you don't have to do this. Everybody else, we're going to run five miles, and we're going to do 100 push-ups, but Francis, we're going to treat you differently. Does it work that way in the Marine Corps? And Francis, no, it The minimum requirements for the Marines is you got to get past Paris Island. And that means you're going to do a lot of running and you're going to do a lot of push-ups. You have to be there with your whole heart. And Jesus said, if you really want to serve God, there's no other way to do it except with your whole heart. Now, there's a picture of a guy on the screen that we might remember from American history. His name was Benedict Arnold. How many people here have ever heard of Benedict Arnold? When you hear his name, do you have a positive response or a negative response? If you call someone a Benedict Arnold, is it a compliment or is it an insult? It's an insult. Why is it an insult? What did Benedict Arnold do that was so bad? He sold out his country during a time of war. He was a general in the American army. And when it suited his purposes... He took money and he took a commission from our enemy and he switched sides. Not only did he do that, but he sold out the fort that he had been charged with defending, which was West Point, which is now the military academy. He sold out his troopers at West Point. He took the money and he skipped sides in the middle of a conflict. And we have a negative opinion of him to this day. Why? He didn't love America with his whole heart. If you read Revelation chapter two, Jesus addresses a church at Ephesus and he'll say to this church, you've got a lot of good things going, but I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love and you better repent and you'd better do what you did at first or bad things are going to happen. I need to understand what the word love means. It means I choose to put God's agenda first in my life. Number two, I have to address the fact that doing that half the time is not acceptable. Doing that 80% of the time isn't going to work. I have to be willing to love God with my whole heart. Can y'all handle step number three? Here comes the last one and this is the good one. This is where the rubber really meets the road. If I'm going to love God with my whole heart, step number three, I must dethrone My true first love. I must dethrone my true first love. A religious leader came to Jesus. He heard other religious leaders buzzing around debating with Jesus. It was like a beehive swarming around Jesus. And he heard Jesus give a good answer and he popped in with his question. Of all the hundreds of laws, which is the most important law. And Jesus said, love God with your whole heart. And by the time they were done in the conversation, the religious leader had one of those aha moments... That if I love God with every fiber of my being, I'm going to keep the law and I'm going to walk in right relationship with Him. And Jesus said, You're not far from the kingdom of God. What is the aha moment that we all need to have if we're going to love God with our whole heart? For most of us, the aha moment is that there's somebody else currently on the throne. Who was your first love? Do you remember? Can you remember back that far? Maybe going to the movies and holding hands with somebody in the dark and you thought, oh, I love you and I love you too, baby. You might have been 12 or 13 years old. Who was your first love? Would you like for me to tell you who my first love was and still is to this day? It's not my wife. Would you like for me to tell you who my first love is? Scooby-Doo was a cartoon back in the olden days. Do you all remember Scooby-Doo? My kids loved it. I loved it growing up. And there was always a moment in the Scooby-Doo where they pulled the mask off. There was a monster, and they found out, oh, it's not really a monster. It's old Farmer Jones from down the road. The unmasking was always the, the highlight of the Scooby-Doo cartoon. I'm going to unmask my first love, and you guys tell me if you can identify with this. My first love is me. Now, you guys are far more spiritual than I am. I know you guys don't struggle with this, but let me tell you about my struggle. There's always a little voice in the back of my head that says, but what about me? How's that going to affect me? God says, I want you to put your tithe check in the offering plate. And I say, but that's a lot of money. What If I need that money later on, what about me? And God might say, I want you to go talk to this person over here about their soul and about Jesus. And I'll say, but but what if that makes me look like a a nut? What if that person has a bad opinion of me? What about me? Y'all don't function like that, okay? But I can be God-focused and God-centered when I go to bed and I'll wake up tomorrow morning and I'll be back to that old thing that says, me, what about me? And when Jesus says, love God with your whole heart, He says it in the present tense. Not like you can just do this once and forget about it. But as long as I am a human being in a human body, this is going to be my struggle. That old version of me wants to take the throne. What about my wants? What about my agenda? And I understand that loving God means I willingly lay that aside and say, God, I'm putting you first. You're more important. I'm going to come in second or somewhere down here. I have to dethrone the true love who sits in that number one place. I have to be willing to dethrone me. How many people here have ever known a person? Who was ruining their lives with drugs or alcohol. Have you ever watched somebody do that? And seen them go downhill. And said to yourself. How is it that we can all see it? And she can't. She can't. She can't see what she's doing to herself. They're blinded. They're self-deceived. A drug addict is the most self-centered person on planet earth. And they will drive themselves in the ground. And they'll drive you in the ground with them. Have you ever known anyone that was eating in an unhealthy way and they were really overweight and their health was going bad? And you say, why can't they see it? Everybody else can see it. Self-deceived. I'm in control. I'm the sinner. What I want. And I'm driving myself into the ground and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Have you ever known someone in a really bad relationship? And all the friends are getting together saying, we can all see it. She's terrible for him. She's going to run him in the ground. Why can't he see it? Why can't I see it? Why can't I see it when I'm on the throne, when I'm destroying myself, when God says, if you'll just put me back where I belong, everything else shakes out. I get really honest with myself. The day I got honest with myself, 27 years ago is the day I stopped drinking and using narcotics. I nearly killed myself with drugs and alcohol. I was self-deceived. Everybody else could see the problem but me. I was on the throne. I was driving. I'm in charge. And I'm running myself in the ground. The day I got honest and said my real problem is me, that's the day my life changed. I've lost 40 pounds plus since last year and kept it off. The day I got really honest and said my real problem is me. I'm in charge. I'm shoving anything in my mouth that looks tasty and it's killing me. The day I got honest is the day I lost weight and kept it off. The day I got honest with money is the day I stopped running up debts and started paying off debts. The problem was me. If you were honest, if you took a piece of paper and kept track of yourself for an entire week and were honest, how much time do you really spend with God? How much attention do you really give to God? How much money really goes toward the things of God? If you were really honest and kept a really close record, how many people would have to be honest and say, you know, I might give God an hour on Sunday. I might wave at Him for a couple minutes every day. But I spend most of my life focused on myself. And what I want and what I think and how I feel and how it's going to affect me. And my problem is me. Jesus said, love God with every fiber of your being. You can't love yourself and love God at the same time. One of you has to go. And the day you get honest and throw up your hands and pull the Scooby-Doo mask off the monster, you're going to be amazed to find the person inside the monster suit is you. And what God's been trying to save you from the whole time is you. You. Saying you're Scarlett O'Hara. You're driving yourself in the ground. Chasing after a phantom that does not exist. Your true life begins when you surrender everything you have. And say God from this moment forward. Your agenda is more important than my agenda. I'm going to close with this. Last slide. My life is like an onion. My spiritual life is like an onion. If you've ever peeled an onion, you know there's a lot of tears involved. But when I came to God 27 years ago, the very first issue we had was an issue of self. I had a career path. I had an agenda. God said, we're going to go this way. And I said, no, we're going to go that way. And we wrestled over it for a while. I backslid for a while. I eventually got on my knees and said, Okay, God, your agenda is first. I surrender. That is the essence of loving God. I didn't feel any mushy feelings. I made a conscious decision. At this moment, you are number one in my life. And if you had asked me 27 years ago, Do you love God with all your heart? I would have said, Yes, I did. But as we walked along over the next year or two or ten, God continued to peel back layers of my heart. How many of you know this is a journey? It's not a destination, it's a journey. So within a couple years, God had peeled my heart back just a little bit more and said, Now here's another layer of your heart, John, and I'm not sure that you really love me with all of this. And I came to another place where I had to say, Well, you know what? You're right. You have dug a little deeper since the last time, and there's a little bit more heart exposed since last time. But but you're right, and once again, I choose to surrender my whole heart to you. I've been walking with God for 27 years, and I guarantee you, it doesn't stop. He wants my whole heart. He wants the center driving force of my life to be my love for Him. Everything else I do will fall into line somewhere behind that. But He wants that to be the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. Now I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I want you to close your eyes. And this is really where it it gets real. How many people here today are watching by Facebook can be honest and say, I've never surrendered my heart the first time. Giving your life to Jesus, being saved is surrendering your heart, surrendering your life to Jesus. How many would have to be honest and say, I've never done that the first time? Music is about to play, the altar is about to be open, and I want to give you an opportunity to find a place to kneel down to just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, my whole life. How many people here today or watching by Facebook can say, you know what, I've done that. I know I've done that. But if you ask me right now whose agenda is really driving my life, I'd have to be honest and say it's mine. There are areas in my heart where God is not the center. I don't love God with my whole heart. I'm not here to beat you up. I am here to call your attention to the fact that until you fix that, nothing else is going to work. Until that is where it's designed to be, you can fight with all these other issues all you want. What's love got to do with it? Everything.